Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Did you miss us? <laughs> More well, specifically, we certainly missed you, Harry. <laughs> I was going to say, more specifically, did you miss me? Good evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this, as is always the case on the show. And welcome as the W2M Network presents The Kickoff, regular season debut edition. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Once again, back in the saddle after unfortunately missing the previews and predictions show. I will give you guys my previews and my predictions real quick at the end of the show. That'll be kind of how we go off. And some of you might want to adjust your predictions and your previews given some of the stuff that has happened recently. We'll talk more about that later. In so, that happened. Regardless. Joining me, as per usual, we got the whole cast of characters tonight. The executive producer turned co-host, Eric Watkins. Oh, finally, like some normality again. Although I will say, between Nick Foles and this hurricane, there's a lot of big dick energy around this place for Sunday. You know, you guys didn't get hit nearly as hard as you thought you were going to by this storm. Hey, hey. This is the time that made me realize I may be a bit too Floridian for the state of Florida. Trying to go around and get more booze and everything closed early. (laughs) Leave it to Eric to be our resident drunk. Oh, wait. Nope. Jason Teasley, the chairman of the W2M Network, is here as well. Hi, Jason. Uh, I am denouncing my name as Ginger Damas. I will now go by my street hood name of Catfish. (laughs) <laughs> that voice you just heard even though he's basically meant to be to be audioed and not listened to okay let's try that again you actually didn't hear him but you will now the new ex- the once again executive producer of the kickoff sean garmer okay yeah i'm sorry that i messed up your show already <laughs> yeah mute your damn microphone garber jesus what kind of Mickey Mouse organization are we working for around here? Please. I wish we was working for Mickey Mouse. Good Lord, we'd be oh, God. Yeah. yeah, we're making a lot more money. Are you yeah. kidding? If we were working for Mickey Mouse, but then, yeah, I, it would give me an excuse to Donald Duck all the time, but, eh. Eric, I'm, I'm pretty sure your proclivities would prevent you from working for Mickey Mouse. <laughs> yeah. Although I have heard some interesting things about Celebration, the community right nearby there. <laughs> Family show! I mean, Eric does have that video there, with the turbo. There, there's your first first of the year, Harry. Uh, we, should keep, we, we should keep it tally. So we really shouldn't because I'm going to lose track around week two. <laughs> that other voice you just heard is the... Co-host turned producer turned back into co-host Brandon Biscoving. I'm just the utility man, aren't I? You're. Oh wait, wrong sport. No, you're basically like our nickel. That's what you are. You still need. You're right right It's good basically. to have that. Congratulations. <laughs> and this to start off the season officially is studs and duds. 
Brandon, why don't you lead us off? Okay. So my stud for the week is Chuba Hubbard, running back from Oklahoma Dude. State. What? Get Dude hype. <laughs> I was wondering why you were making that joke in the chat earlier. But... So he went for 221 yards and three touchdowns in a win over a pretty decent Oregon State team. So good good on him. Debatable. This is the same Oregon State team that got bitch slapped at the start of the year by Ohio State last okay, year. Okay, it's still a Power 5 team. So That's also debatable given the fact that they've been a, a consistent performer in ESPN.com's bottom 10 over the last two seasons. Regardless... Fair enough. And again, get Zoon Hyde. I hope you feel better. <laughs> Jason Studd. Um, that would be me. Uh, but my stud this week is Akuna Matata, quarterback of Alabama. It's our problem, please. Okay, I got to stop before we get sued by that Mickey Mouse organization. Expand. Uh, I mean, he had, what was the stat line? He had over 300 yards, only sacked once. I think he had like 320, 27 yards, three touchdowns, sacked once. Let me double check my figures. I closed out the window. You know, I got all this got all this bait on my hands trying to scroll into this phone's a little tough. This is off to a roaring start, isn't it? Just hey. when I had a perfect Mickey Mouse joke in my head. 300, you know, putting up 336 yards, four touchdowns, and only being sacked once on 26 of 31, five incompletions. Um, he's making a strong case of being the top quarterback and Heisman frontrunner. But I think there's another quarterback that may be talked about here soon that will give him a run for the money. And in the business, we call that a segue to my stud for the week, Oklahoma's Jalen Hurts. How pissed are you right now, Eric? And considering as how I kept telling people, oh, no, go ahead and get the over in that game. And the fact that I got to sit and enjoy with that backdoor cover while they were pissed off, not as pissed as I was, say, Week zero. <laughs> and we oh, all know Eric loves the back door. <laughs> <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> anyway. Hey, 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 I've got I, I've got a whole off season worth of getting you getting you to lose your composure. <laughs> well, let's get back to it here. Jalen Hurts becomes the first Oklahoma quarterback to ever have three rushing and three passing touchdowns in the same game as Boomer Sooner, ranked number four in the country, rolls over Houston on Sunday night football. Yes, you heard that correctly. Week one college is week one Sunday night football on ABC, however. God, Mickey Mouse organizations. <laughs> as Oklahoma wins 49-31 to 31 and solidifies themselves as escaping what could have been their biggest out-of-conference trip up here. Eric, wrap it up for studs with us, will you? Well, speaking of biggest out-of-conference trip-ups, I mean, Iowa State, you expected them being ranked in the preseason for the first time in Lord knows how long. They would go 
scheduling a typical FCS cupcake like these schools do and figure, oh, we have an easy win. My stud for the week is someone who prevented that, Will McElveen, quarterback for Northern Iowa, which reasserted themselves as an FCS powerhouse. Yes, the numbers are somewhat mediocre-ish, 25 of 42, 228, and a touchdown. However, that brilliant touchdown pass while rolling right and helping force overtime and eventually pushing the Cyclones to three overtimes, yeah, you're my stud for the week. I guess the appropriate thing to say here would be, segway! We move over to Duds. Jason? Well, and on the flip side of that coin, my dud is the Iowa State team who was actually being touted as a dark horse for the Big 12 that could may upset the apple cart. Uh, but they kind of didn't do that. They they didn't show their prowess. They went to a triple overtime. Yeah, they did win, but still, it's a triple overtime win. <clears throat> Granted, they, they faced off against an FCS powerhouse, but they're still on a D1 team in a Power 5 conference. You've got to stop that noise. They're going to drop faster than Eric's pants on a Saturday night. So... That's the weather for my duds. Or to be fair, fair, depending on when I get paid. To be fair to Iowa State, yes, they almost got tripped up by a by an FC, an FCS team. However, they weren't tripped up by an FCS team, which we have seen happen many times. As a matter of fact, I believe we are on the decade season anniversary of Appalachian State, Michigan, ten years ago this year. I thought it was. I want to say it was 2009. Well, of course, Er Eric is going to know this and he's going to correct me if I'm wrong. I think you are correct. I believe it was September 5th, 2009. September 1st, 2007. I knew it was 12 years because that's when Armani Edwards was still back. You you know, you. You, you know Michael, you can't outsmart the uh, the the uh, Wikipedia over there. Well, this he's basically our pro football reference on this show. I have that aspect for wrestling. He has that aspect for football. And he also other- has that aspect in other aspects. He's, <laughs> yeah, always, yeah. My he's always my go-to guy. Uh, Eric, I think we're going to add a special segment at the end of the show where you give us a single starlet pick of the week and then you just don't say anything else. Just give us a name for us to look up. Oh, God. I got a couple personal ones in my mind. <laughs> yeah, family show my ass. Anywho, <laughs> no, keeping track this season, that's one and a half. So we literally <laughs> put in push. <laughs> Brandon Dud, my Dud for the week is South Carolina, who gave up a twenty to nine lead in the fourth quarter against North Carolina. They looked strong to start off the game and then blew it. What can I say? Cocky, gonna cocky. Yep. This is a South Carolina team that has a tradition of blowing games that they have won. 
if I'm not mistaken, the same thing happened to Flor again with them against Florida last year because I know the Gators were in trouble against South Carolina last year, and then we managed to rally against them, and Mullen helped us pick up the victory there. Felipe Franks ended up finally regaining his form. Eric Dud. Well, another team that didn't get tripped up, but a team that was supposed to roll the boat from the Big Ten West, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Yes, I understand Iowa State when you're facing an FCS powerhouse. I get that. But at the same time, South Dakota State, of the five best schools in that territory, you're not even playing one of them. And you almost lose, and you have to come back in the fourth quarter to win? No. No. God, the division of life. Aye, aye, aye. Okay, I'm going to say the same thing to both you and Jason here. It is Jimmy V philosophy here. It is survive and advance. Both of them survived and advanced. And that's what matters, especially playing in the respective conferences that they play in, where surviving and advancing could mean big things later on in the year for them. I thought she was, was going to get cancer and die. <laughs> oh, God. I'm about to say, where's the five slammer jammer coming in? Or it's not like you're facing Clyde Drexler out there. The views and opinions of Jason Teasley do not necessarily reflect those of the W2N network. (laughs) Moving on. But guess what? We have an announcement involving the views and opinions of Jason Teasley later on the show. Dun, dun, dun! Dramatic Dramatic reverb. They both stepped on the line. All right. My (laughs) My dud for the week is the Miami Dolphins. And I could be saying this as a Buffalo Bills fan just to kick extra dirt on the grave. And let's be honest, part of me is doing that a little bit. But there is something specifically here. Okay, so you guys, I'm referring specifically to the merchandising department of the Miami Dolphins team. Okay, so you guys know that most NFL teams put out calendars for their teams for their fans to buy. So that way they can have like posters of their favorite players and a way to like support the team while keeping track of what it is they have to do within a given time frame, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is an 18-month calendar for the Miami Dolphins. Going from, sep- going from September of 2018, because it came out right before Christmas of last year, I believe, all okay. the way to December of this year. Of the 18 players photographed for individual pullouts in that calendar, Seven of them are no longer with the team. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. <laughs> that is almost 40% in your team's official calendar who don't play for your team anymore. I mean, to be fair. Speaking though. Go wait, ahead, this, Brandon. Rain did, on my parade. Did this calendar come out now or like last year? I want to say that this is the 2020 calendar. So the one that comes out like this year. Oh, okay. See, I was thinking you were talking about last year's, which would still be funny, but you can't really control that. But yeah, if that's the case for this year, that's, yeah, that's bad. Well, it's not like when they had like the baseball team that put in the in memoriam for two guys that hadn't died yet. So there's worse, just not much worse. Didn't that happen at, like, one of the WWE shows as well? Like, they put up an in-memoriam graphic, and then they found out the guy was still alive? 
I feel like that happened. Like within the last couple of years, I'm gonna have to look that up once we get off the air, and I'll let everybody know how that turns out next week. Hey, look at that! We got through studs and duds relatively unscathed. Go us! <laughs> so that happened. Oh shit! <laughs> Jason. Well, why so that happened comes from a nice little tiny school called Jackson State, where the mascot got a little bit too um, protective of his player. Following a 33-yard touchdown, there was a, uh, a little skirm, you could say, for the ball. Well, the mascot of Jackson State didn't take too kindly intervened, threw the defensive player off, thus drew a flag, and continued to celebrate as he ran, to, ran back over to the sideline to join the fans and cheerleaders. So, just going to say, it's not as bad as two mascots fighting in the end zone, but hey, it's got college football off to a great start. I, I mean, I give kudos to the guy because he was just doing what you do. You break up a fight. <laughs> Not to the cheerleader seems like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, flag was I on mean, me. I mean, really, how would you feel if you was, you was playing a football game and you looked up and seen an oversized tiger in a number seven jersey standing over top <laughs> of you in the end zone? <laughs> I, I, my, my, my reaction would be, damn, cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> My reaction would be, man, I really hate to be an Oregon Duck right now. No. <laughs> Let me just say, suck it, Oregon. Continue, see, seeing, seeing some, seeing this uh, up close and personal, the scariest mascot in all of college athletics is the Providence Friar. Uh, I don't know. Seen him. Uh, if you to, haven't to, seen what he looks like, please go look it up and tell me I'm wrong. Too too easy to make a Catholic joke and get us thrown off the network. Not gonna, <laughs> well, not gonna, I mean, you know, shut up, Jim. <laughs> we could we could we could say he was the same. You know, he might have been a alumni with Jerry Sandusky. Who knows? Hey, hey, oh, Harry. Wow. Okay. Because we all know sometimes mascots like the Providence Friar just touch all of us in special places. It's all good. <laughs> uh, hey, Eric, I got a question for you. Yes. And I'm going to hell for this. What's the worst? What's the only thing worse than answering your pants? Is that Jesus? It looks like Mother Teresa. <laughs> Okay, I'll ask again, Eric. What's the only thing worse than answering your pants? What is the only thing worse? Uncle Stow. Oh. <sighs> oh. All right, we don't ask. No, we 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 better move on because we are going to get thrown off. <laughs> yeah. No, hold on. We we can we we got we got a little segue. We got like the twelve. Cre- nah, the creepiest mascot ever. Is that fucking baby they rolled out in New Orleans? <laughs> I don't know that in heaven. <laughs> can I can I point out that I'd like to throw an honorary vote out for that bear that became the Chicago Cubs mascot? What the fuck was that? <laughs> no, 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 no. The 
Philadelphia Flyers mascot. Oh God, yeah, that takes okay. the Flyers. Okay, yeah, I think we have an official winner here. All right, let's move <laughs> on, Eric. So that happened. Now, while I was going to go ahead and rant on a certain conference for the totality of their week one performances, I'm going to set that aside because we'll be, uh, no pun intended, touching on that throughout the show. Aww. Look, you got to feel the Holy Spirit somehow. <laughs> oh, something holy is getting filled, all right. The views and opinions of Eric Wagner, you know the rest by now. Continue, Eric. But I am going to say that with the near trip-ups, everything else, we actually witnessed a little bit of history this weekend. Take it for what it is. The Associated Press started putting out their poll of the top 25 teams in what was then even before it was known as the university division, back in 1936. So you're dealing with a good little bit of history. In that time, we have seen the best performing weekend of those top 25 teams. 24 wins, one loss. That one loss, as we talked about, well, Oregon, thanks to another one of those top 25 teams, Auburn. So it made for some very interesting betting, although Stanford, I hate you. So that happened. Damn Cardinal. I I think, honestly, the reason probably why it hasn't happened in the past is because more more often at the beginning of the season like this, you have more than one ranked versus ranked game. Mm Mm-hmm. Hopefully we'll get back to that as hope of all hope. The schedule start fixing themselves as we delve deeper into the era of the college football playoff, but who knows? I mean, we've seen kind of an example of that recently here. We had the Week Zero matchup this year, which had University of Florida renewing its rivalry with Miami of Florida. We see Texas and LSU coming up on the schedule for this week as well. We see Clemson and Texas A&M coming up on the schedule for this week here. So there are definitely more games that have that could be ranked versus ranked or ranked versus ranked feel. I mean, we talked about this in our pregame show, like what we were discussing before we came on the air. LSU and Texas is a top 10 battle. Number six LSU Mm -hmm. versus number nine Texas. All right. So, Eric, in regards to your Stanford bet, I suggest you make like Sonny Bono and fear the tree. (laughs) Yep. I'm going to hell for that one. I was about to, well, I mean, I think we all just put ourselves on the expressions <laughs> for the last few minutes. Yeah. <laughs> At this point, if we could have copywritten music on this show, ACDC's Highway to Hell would be playing in the background. Yep. <laughs> Brandon, so that happened. Uh, you know what happened this week over the last, well, over the last two days? Huge contracts. That's what happened. Jared Goff signs a four-year, $134 million extension. Ezekiel Elliott, after sitting out for the entirety of training camp and probably pissing off a lot of fantasy owners who drafted ahead of today, uh, signs his six-year, $90 million extension. But 
Melvin Gordon still holding out, and apparently there was a trade offer that the Chargers refused. So who the hell knows what's going to happen there with Gordon? Okay, a couple of things to say to that. First of all, uh, Eric, correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't Goff 161? Nope. Goff was 4-134, but the guaranteed money was the big kicker. 110, if I remember correctly. Okay, so Brandon did have that number correct. I thought I saw 161 on a different site, so maybe I got maybe I got bad information from that. Yeah, I looked at I looked on ESPN for this. Yeah, plus it's probably taking into account different things because it's a four year extension on top of the last two years of his rookie deal. So I don't know 100 percent if that's a factor or not. Yeah, uh, as I understand it, for Ezekiel Elliott, his is they have an out after four seasons as well. After mm. four seasons and like forty something million dollars. Mm. Asterisk. It's not so much an out per se, but it's fifty million guaranteed, and then the last one's going to be about fifteen or million or so a year. But an interesting extra clause. We all know that. We can be assured of three things in life, death, taxes, and Ezekiel Elliott getting himself in the news during the offseason. <laughs> the Cowboys put in a caveat. Before Jerry Jones made $62 million on one of his oil company investments to wipe away that whole deal in his wallet, he put in a little bit of a caveat. One slip up, one off-field incident, and... 30 million of his 50 million guaranteed will be null and void. So, pressure's really on Zeke. Do what he does on the field and don't do a damn thing off of it. I'm going to take the under on that and say that he's going to have to give some of that money back because this is Ezekiel Elliott we're talking <laughs> yeah. about. In addition, the, the other contract backloaded, so <laughs> In addition, the other thing from Brandon's statement that I wanted to touch on, if your fantasy football league hasn't drafted yet, speaking of Disney, you're in a Mickey Mouse fantasy football league. Ha-ha, clocks are ticking! No. Oh, no, 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 no. But that's what I'm saying. Almost everyone is pissed that it took him this long because I'm sure there were people who were in my position in some drafts where Elliot was on the board at, in round one and you said, I'm going to pass because oh. you don't want to get screwed ah. over. I took, I took him number four in my $250 league. Well, uh, you're, a braver th- you're a braver man than I because after what happened uh, to me last year, I wasn't going anywhere near anyone who even had a, an inkling of potentially holding out. Yeah, I, I got Kevin Gordon in the seventh, at the end of the seventh round. I'm just going to say real quick here, Brandon's two most favorite words in the English language, Le'Veon Bell. There needs to be a certain word added in front of those two words. Trust me, sometimes these things work out. I mean, I'm in one dynasty league where Ezekiel Elliott, he's either been traded or put on the trading block seven times already. The market corrects itself. Fair enough. My show that happened is actually a show that's going to happen. We're doing this show as we usually do on Wednesday night. Tomorrow night, Thursday, for those of you who can't calendar, is the official start of the NFL's 100th season. 
And we open up with two of the original franchises in the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers. See, I'm okay with this Sunday night or this Thursday night football matchup here, but I see a lot of people complaining about it. I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on this here. And we'll kind of segue this into our question segment as well. Eric, I'll ask you first. I'm completely fine with it. Can I ask the question? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man. All right, let's try this here. The question is, are you okay with the Super Bowl winner not starting the season in favor of honoring the NFL's history? I'm completely fine with it. And this leads to, well, my usual bit of trivia, like I said before. Everybody's talking about, oh, Packers, Bears, oh, Centennial, oh, blah, 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 blah. Do we not remember that the NFL did the exact same thing for the Hall of Fame game and having two of the original AFL franchises in honoring the anniversary of that league instead of having a random AFC-NFC team, the NFL knows what they're doing 90% of the time, and this is one of them. Now, granted, if you have Khalil Mack in your IDP fantasy, yeah, I would start him. Just saying. Of course. Brandon, same question. Are you okay with them? foregoing the traditional Super Bowl winner starts the season in favor of honoring the tradition of the NFL. Yeah, I'm perfectly fine with it. And here's the thing about it. Yes, normally they do the whole ceremony with the banner and everything uh, on Thursday night. But especially this year with it being the centennial, you need to have especially two of the you know top early teams in the NFL um, on, on the opening night. And you're still getting that. I'm sure you're still going to get the ceremony because the Patriots are playing on Sunday night. So it's not like they're just shoving the Super Bowl champions into a regular one o'clock game or anything like that. They just moved it to the Sunday night slot instead of the opener Thursday night slot. Jason, same question. Do you do? I really want well. Let me go ahead and speak on this. I'm going to take a knee in protest of police brutality, and hopefully my job is secure in doing so. It's not. Uh, I didn't think so. He, really he will call really and cap the fuck out of you on this show. <laughs> well, if you want, if you want an Egyptian Squidward to fill my place, that's just fine. I, I mean, but honestly, I'm totally fine with it. I mean, it's. I mean, you're going back and showing traditional. Teams playing, um, and if you guys remember, not I, I'm thinking it was like five, six years ago. Eric, you you might be able to correct me on this. Uh, the NFL season actually didn't kick off on a Thursday night. It was actually a Wednesday night, and it was Giants Cowboys. So I mean, traditions can be changed, and it doesn't give a fuck. It's football. It's back. Get the fuck over it, quit being pussies, and enjoy it. Yep, we got football back. That's all that really matters. Oh, one thing I will say, um, I don't know, I didn't see anything about it, but one thing I will say I'm hoping they do, considering the reasoning for why they're doing it this way, are they going to wear any special jerseys? I would think that they would wear some kind of throwback jerseys, but I haven't heard anything specifically. 
Okay. Uh, I, I would hope they would have. Patriots. Patriots are letting Tom Brady wear a red jersey on Sunday night. <laughs> As if he doesn't wear one already. Yeah, really. Wow. I mean, technically speaking, the referees throw flags anytime you breathe in the general vicinity of Brady. Mm-hmm. Regardless. All right, let's move on here. So as the NFL celebrates its 100th anniversary, college football celebrates its 150th. And since Eric discussed the top 25, let's go ahead and tie that into our conversation here. Eric. Mm-hmm. If you were to pick one franchise that represents what college football is all about, if you had to describe college football in one university, what university would you choose? Whoa, oh, oh, oh. Bringing the heat. I'm bringing the heat early this year. Jesus, I didn't can't expect a fastball this early, but as strange as it is, and hear me out, they weren't around for the very, very beginning. They didn't come in until a couple decades later. But when you think just even football in general, you have a couple of states in mind. And when I think college football, I think it's perfectly encapsulated in really this state. History, pageantry, big moments, center of attention with controversy, quirky headlines, etc. The University of Texas. Yes, I know as a whole state, you could pretty much get an entire conference, and let's face it, the Big 12 is pretty damn close to all of your schools just in that state. But if you really look at the bell cow, no pun intended, it's the Longhorns. I mean, if you think about it, go to Austin on a Saturday this time of year. You're going to see a lot of burnt orange. You go back even to the highlights of football centennial back in 1969. One of the biggest moments, Texas beating Arkansas in President Richard Nixon handing them the national championship trophy. While you have all the history, the Ivy League, and including all the rules and uh, the big names with Notre Dame and everybody, it's just... It's bigger and better in Texas. That's what they say about the horse. I'm actually going to answer this question myself last. However, we'll continue in the tradition that we've gone here. Jason, you're up. What school in Rutgers? That's a fair assessment, actually. Explain. Uh, Because, I mean, when you don't think about it, Everybody talks about what college football is now, but you don't really think about the start of college football. I mean, Rutgers is the oldest college football team ever. Uh, it played its the first. No, no, well, we Princeton, don't count Princeton. We don't count Princeton. They're an FCS school. They still count, but continue. But didn't Princeton forego a college football season? Like first of, back earlier, early on. No, that was not Princeton. Princeton and Rutgers played 
that 25 of man side game that were much resembled soccer and that famous 6-4 to four victory. The so Ivy League schools who initially abstained, especially to the point where students were arrested early in the 1870s where they were caught playing, was Harvard. Yale finally came in later that decade. So, now, yes, reason, count. Reason, the reason why I ask that is because Michigan is listed as the second oldest college football school. That's why I said that uh, Princeton foregoed uh, football there for a brief bit, which moved Michigan up, which played 10 years post the Rutgers-Princeton game. But anyway, let's go back. Without that Rutgers-Princeton game, we wouldn't have college football as it is today. You got. We talk about tradition. We talk about everything. But, I mean, sometimes you got to look back at the roots. My 1B school, and I know this is going to give Harry a chubby, but my 1B school, when I think absolute college football and the atmosphere and everything, is Penn State. Uh, a whiteout game is probably the highest rated sporting event that I want to attend and get knocked off my bucket list. Just because the atmosphere, the crowd enthusiasm, uh, I, I mean, even when Penn State has down years, just a whiteout game is still the top game of the season to be at and just for the, the college atmosphere. Brandon, See, y'all, didn't, y'all didn't think I would come with some intelligence this year, and I'm knocking y'all the fuck out. <laughs> okay, I well, def- Jason, before I, you go on, why is I the sesquicentennial... I, I, I ain't ready to discuss shit with you, Eric. I ain't on that level yet. All uh, right, Mr. Alex, fuck your back. Goddamn sports encyclopedia. Hell, I... I, I uh, heard, let's you know, move on. Had to get up. Let, let's move on, Brandon. What program encapsulates college football to you? Um, if we're talking about overall history and looking at college football as a whole, you, you can't say anything other than Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame is the quintessential college football program. Uh, you know, throughout the you know throughout the years, throughout the decades. Um, you know, they've always been the the school that everyone associates with football. Hell, I mean, they even create they in essence created football, the the football we know today. One of three schools in the Holy Trinity. I'll say that. Well, do you do you know the reason Eric will probably know the reason why I say they are the reason why well, football just in general exists in the form that it does today. I'm sure one of you is going to tell us to go ahead and do so. We got to keep this moving. They were the ones that popularized and really put into the into the uh, forefront and really made it become, you know, relevant and and made it possible the forward pass. Eric, you wanted to chime in there. Go ahead. Well, it was like I said, one of the schools, when you talk about the football lexicon of the game we know today, or one of the Holy Trinity. 
Like, Princeton brought the original rules, was then reformed. Notre Dame brought the forward pass. And another school with over a century of history, Gallaudet. They were the team that gave us the huddle. Brandon took my answer. I'm going to be entirely honest with you. And this might be surprising <laughs> coming from somebody such as myself here, who has who is a staunch disapprover of most things Notre Dame. But I think that when you talk to the modern college football fan, especially nowadays, and even the younger generation, when you think of tradition, when you think of that aspect, when you think of these, the integrity and the severity of relevance that any program puts towards a specific sport, it's really hard to argue that any school takes any sport more seriously than Notre Dame takes football. I will give an honorable mention to Hart, to a team that will make Jason happy, and that would be Marshall. Coming back from the disaster that they suffered. I just don't think they're big enough. Just looking at it on a, like from a casual perspective, they're not big enough that people really think of them and think college football. They made a movie about them, man. Matthew McConaughey. I, I know this. I know this. And, where, and where's Matthew McConaughey and uh, alumnus of Texas? <laughs> He's even teaching a college course at Texas, by the way. But anyway, let's go back. Let's go back to this. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge Marshall fan. That anybody that knows me knows. I live in the city that Marshall resides in, Huntington, West Virginia. For those wondering, I live. In all honesty, I've never been, but it's it's soon to happen. Five minutes from the crash site. It is the single most. It's the single most impactful sports tragedy in the United States. My wife had, you know, I didn't know this till here, probably a year ago. Um. My wife actually, well, my wife's mother actually had a cousin that played for Marshall and that was on that plane. And that the girl in the diner that is pregnant, her and her boyfriend represents my mother-in-law's cousin and his fiance at the time. So, I mean, I, I get that. I mean, but, you know, on the flip side of that, you don't think tradition but you think of a of heart and you know you can't over you can't really overcome something like that uh i mean it is this thing i mean it's it's something to witness in huntington during the first home game the homecoming the turning on and off of the fountain it is it is insane. I've been to the Marshall uh, Memorial more times than I've been probably to my my own mother in law's house. Um, and to see former players come at opening weekend to show their respects to that monument is something to witness. Um, and just to see it get decorated. For each home game is is something. So yeah, I, I mean, I can see that. 
from one aspect. I see both of your points. So, I mean, and I commend, you know, Harry for even mentioning Marshall in that aspect. All right, one more quick question to ask, and then we'll take the show back to a lighter note here. I mean, technically, this question right here will take the show back to a lighter note, but I figure with the the bicentennial and a half. Sesquicentennial. Mm-hmm. Get Zune height to you too, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking show off. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I knew um, it too. I just 50 years. Eric beat me to the punch. Hey, Brandon. <laughs> yes. Muted. Shut up. Anyway, I wish I could. No, seriously, though. No. Um. All right. So, to a more lighthearted discussion for the final question for the week here, and this will go under our for, our former tradition for this segment, the buy or sell format. Eric. Hmm. Buy or sell after last year's NFC Championship game. Pass interference had to become a reviewable call. Buy it. I mean, I was campaigning for it even before last year's championship game. For all the people who say, oh, it'll slow it down, oh, blah, blah, blah. They had all preseason. Coaches even prepared during the preseason to see how it would work. So they have the timing right. Plus, look at our friendly neighbors to the north in the CFL. They've been able to, they've had pass interference review for years. Sometimes you barely notice it. I think it's the right idea, and hopefully it goes beyond just this trial run. Jason. Uh, I'm going to buy it simply because uh, you got to hold officials accountable for blatantly missed calls. Um, Do I think it slows the game down a little bit? Yes. but. I mean, I would rather them get the get the call right and you know be have a more level playing field and held accountable than have blown calls like we seen last year. Brandon, I'm gonna buy it as well, but with one little caveat. I'm the one thing I'm worried about, and obviously we haven't seen it in the preseason because you know. The games don't matter, so they're not doing these types of plays. I don't want to see a situation where I hope, or let me change what I'm about to say. I hope that they have some guidelines in place for things such as Hail Marys. Because I I do not want to see a situation where the defenders are so afraid of touching that air ball like touching a player when there's that air ball that we get like an exorbitant amount of successful Hail Marys um so as long as they have it to where the rules will be the same and just because there's a little bit of contact on a long pass or something like that as long as it's to where, in order for it to be overturned, it has to be blatant, then I'm okay with it. Yeah, they put in for Hail Marys those particular provisions as they were setting everything up. So that's covered. Okay. I think after what happened in the Saints and Rams NFC Championship game in overtime last year, you had to make pass interference reviewable. The problem mm-hmm. that I have, the problem that I have with it 
is that it's reviewable on both sides. And I don't know if that's going to necessarily help or hurt the integrity of the decision because it's now reviewable for not calling as well as calling it. Mm -hmm. I think that that could become a situation where calls that are made, where teams are expecting a certain kind of ability to run forward. And then you could have a, you could have a coach throwing a flag just in order to get a, just in order to get his team a chance to recover from the big play that just happened against them. That's actually a good point. That could potentially be a way for teams to basically, in essence, stall slow momentum. down the, an offense. Yes, stall momentum. Somebody like yeah. the breakaway offense is like we see, a, uh, as much as I hate to give Robert Taylor credit, uh, in Kansas City right now. Mm-hmm. Um. The, the offense in New Orleans, the offense in Los Angeles, Rams, yeah. not Chargers, although kind of the Chargers too, not as much, but kind of less so without Gordon. Regardless, all right. So we're going to introduce a new segment here. We actually talked about doing this last year for this year, and we've decided that we are going to do so. And we are entitling this segment "I'm a Survivor." This would be where we would play Destiny's Child in the background, but obviously licensing fees, you know, it happens. We can't afford that. We're poor. Deal with it. So the rules for this segment are is we make one prediction a week, straight up, not against the spread. We can pick whatever team we want to and whatever game we want to. And as the season progresses, we will be picking more games in this segment, which is your guys' heads up in advance that as the season comes up and there's less and less teams that we're able to pick, we're going to ramp it up in order to be able to crown a champion if it comes to that. Fair enough. So so, e- so even if we all uh, blow it in like week two or week three, it's still continuing? Yes. We'll, we'll do an overall I'm a Survivor champion as well as an original champion. Don't worry. I'll make yeah. it work. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get into our Survivor League predictions for this particular week one of the National Football League season. I was asked before we started the show if we were going to do college. Brandon brought up that question to me, and I will give you all the same answer that I gave Brandon. The answer to that question is no, and the reason being is that there are too many dominant college football teams in order to make a survivor pool work for college football. Perhaps we could do a conference survivor for college football down the road where we specifically pick one conference and play it out, but... In terms of an overall college football prediction, there's too many dominant teams that play, let's be honest, too weak of schedules for there to be enough games that could trip people up over the course of a calendar season in college Fair football. enough. Eric. You know. Week one, week one survivor. Who you got? You know, I know I've talked about this team I know in the past I gave this team what should have been a fantastic advertising opportunity that they completely flubbed and they missed. I'm not incredibly bitter about that. However, sometimes when your gut tells you there's a little bit too much hype on something, you got to listen to it. My week one, I'm a survivor. The Tennessee Titans beating the Cleveland Browns. I'm not right. quite there yet. Not yet. Hmm. Okay. That that's a bold pick for week one. 
Well, I mean, I'm not picking them the rest of the season, so I'm like, get them out of the way now. Risk it to get the biscuit while I have a chance. And there's going to be other fandoms who will hate me when we go later in the show. That is a whole lot ballsier than I was expecting for somebody. (laughs) Yeah, really. Jason, week one, you're a survivor. Week week one, um, that... The, the team that will not get voted off the island will be the Philadelphia Eagles going over the Washington Redskins. You son of a bitch. You will see a heavy trend on my survivor picks because I'll go ahead and let you in on a little secret. For every week I survive, the following week, whoever plays Washington will probably be my survivor. <laughs> that would probably be the same for me, just with a different team. Technically speaking, you could probably do that with whoever's playing Miami as well and be right most of the season, too. Oh, God. Yeah. I kind of fi- figured that's where one of you guys were going. Um, actually, my week one I'm a survivor pick, since Jason already took it, is the Philadelphia Eagles over the Washington Redskins. Or, excuse me. Over the Washington redacted. Sorry. I can't say <laughs> Brandon? Uh, my survivor for the week. I'm surprised no one else thought of this one because I feel like this is a much safer pick than the Eagles over the Redskins. I'm taking the Seahawks over the Bungles. I was thinking about it, but everybody that calls my pick ballsy. Remember, in their last 14 Week 1 games, what is the Browns' record? 0-13-1. Oh, I, I don't deny that the Browns are still probably going to Browns this year, but I think they'll be heavily improved over last over the last few years. This is exactly why I'm picking the Titans to get them out of the way. Fair enough. <laughs> I will say this much as far as the uh, Seahawks and Cincinnati thing goes. Uh, Brandon, I, I urge you to beware of the Bengal here. Because Cincinnati has a long-standing tradition of losing games they should win and winning games they should lose. I take you back. I take you back to two seasons ago, sir, and you know exactly what I'm referring I, to. I know exactly what you're referring to because that was one of the happiest days for you. Oh, you mean the week before a certain 10-3 to playoff loss? <laughs> I knew that was coming. Hey, Eric, 24-20, bitch, shut up. There's my Florida-Miami reference for the week. Um, but going back to that real quick, so yeah, the Andy Dalton to Tyler Boyd pass that helped them beat since it, or beat Baltimore in Week 17 to send Buffalo to the postseason two years ago. It's been said that nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Well, the Cincinnati Bengals are probably a close second. Fair enough. Hey, Eric. Yeah, I mean this from both a show perspective and on a personal perspective. Get it together. Well, I mean, I've got things mostly together. Although, next week, now that the storm's over, I've got a tough decision to make. Because I've got three options, thanks to Snapchat. <laughs> That's two and a half, ladies and gentlemen. 
yeah, most weeks you're gonna want to take the over. Continue. <laughs> now for this one, I, I didn't want to bash the entire conference, even though I could have. But there's one particular team in together, Tennessee. Um, I get that you know times aren't really happy, and you haven't had too many reasons to sing Rocky Top over the past oh I don't know decade or so, but. At the same time, do you really think that you can look at yourselves in the mirror without wearing orange and white checkered paper bags over your heads after the debacle that was a loss to, if I remember correctly, a two-win team who was predicted to finish dead last in their division in their conference? In Georgia State. Remember, this is a team, yes, they had a great start to their history playing where the Falcons played at the old Georgia Dome, and now they play where the Braves used to play, but there's still the Georgia State Panthers. Tennessee, I don't expect much, but I did expect something better of you. Just for the sake of everybody in the Great Smoking Mountains, get it together. Good old Rocky Top. <laughs> I get to laugh again in a few moments. Jason, get it together. Oh, God. Um, we're going to get, go to the Big Ten to get on my get it together. Uh, and that is the, you know, the lovely football team known as Purdue. They're absolutely wasting a tremendous talent at wide receiver in Rondell Moore. Moore. I mean, honestly, he's getting touted as the second best wide receiver in college football. He just has absolutely no supporting cast. I mean, it's kind of like me on this show. Oh, wait. I said that out loud. My bad. Um, Okay. It's kind of like me and my fishing partner. I get all the, I catch all the fish, they get nothing. So, and you know, I carry carries during tournaments. Um, but I mean, the kid is an absolute stud, but he's just not surrounded by very good talent. So, come on, Purdue, get it together. Don't let this kid's talent waste away under your under your watch. Eric, I feel like you would know this. Moore led the uh, Big Ten in receptions last year and yards receiving, correct? I believe so, but I've got to double-check that one. Okay, while he's double-checking, Brandon, get it together. My get-it-together this week is the Oregon Ducks. Yes, you were playing another ranked team, but you blow a 21-6 to lead to lose your opening game. When, granted, we none of us predicted the Pac-12 to do much of anything anyway, but a lot of people were thinking that you that the Ducks would win the Pac-12 and make you know go to the Rose Bowl potentially. You have to get it together, especially your late game uh, play, if you want to have any chance of doing that. Eric, do you have an answer for us? Not yet. Phone is being slightly annoying. 
<laughs> Very well. All right, I'll do my get it together then. And you know how I said I was going to laugh again once a little bit later on in the show? No, I don't remember that. I got to laugh at Tennessee when Eric mentioned them, and it was funny. It was nice. It was fun. But you know which one Florida fans really like to laugh at? Miami? Florida State. Oh, oh, that was an epic comeback. I was happy. 31 to 19 Seminoles at halftime in a game that got moved from a neutral, in air quotes on an audio podcast, field to Tallahassee. No, trust me. It's Jacksonville. It's a neutral field. (laughs) Regardless of that, being moved to Tallahassee, thus giving Florida State a home game and a 31-19 to halftime lead. Enough you would think, and you would think wrong, because the Smurf Turfers themselves, Boise State, score 17 unanswered in the second half, and the final score out of Tallahassee, Florida, Boise State Broncos 36, Florida State Seminoles 31. As much as I enjoy laughing at you, Florida State, for the sake of Florida football, get it together. Hank Bachmeyer, remember that name. And to answer your question, he did lead the Big Ten in receiving yards, more did, but he was tied in a three-way tie for receiving touchdowns with 12. I feel like one of those is going to be an Ohio State player. It was. And believe Ah. it or not, a Minnesota player, which, oh, God, Minnesota. Yeah, you think you're going to be mad at me now. Wait until later in the show. I believe we call that going full circle here on the show since we talked about Minnesota earlier. (laughs) Can you believe we're already up to our final segment of the show, guys? Thank God. I mean, this has ran really smooth tonight. Mm -hmm. It hasn't hasn't dragged on with much side-barring down the rabbit. And on. Wasn't you saying, Jason, it's always easier to fish in calmer waters? Something like that. It is. Uh, fishing in choppy waters creates upset people. <laughs> All right, let's get to it here. This segment is staying the same from last year, everybody. We close the show, as per usual, with, are you serious? And we will start in college football, as has become the tradition on this show. Eric, since you've let off every other segment on this show, why don't you go ahead and take the honors here as well? Gladly. You know I love myself from Jim Harbaugh. You know that I picked Michigan to do very well in the college previews as far as doing well this season. However, do you know who they happen to be playing this week? I do, because you told us earlier in the group chat. (laughs) Yes. Well, obviously, I had to to sort of preview everything. But to the listeners who were not privy to that group chat, they're playing in one of the certain service academies. One who happens to run a very rarely seen nowadays type of offense. That rarely seen offense, which is difficult to plan against. 
in Ask Oklahoma. <laughs> exactly. And if you're not careful, it can lead to some very strange final scores and opportunities to be tripped up. Wait, wait, wait. I, I can I, I can I can add to that one too. You ready? Ask Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Because this team hung mm-hmm. this this team hung seventy on them in a bowl game. Continue. You're absolutely correct, and I'm going to also put in a little bit of extra for this. While I think with Shea Patterson and everybody, they can overcome. Be very wary of that spread, and also be a little bit wary of Michigan next week. I'm serious when I say. Army, the Black Knights, while they may not be victorious, damn sure cover 22 and a half. Jason, college football. Are you serious? Well, yes, I want to be serious since my first initial pick was thrown out. We'll give that an honorable mention. But I'm going to bring it back to a little thing we done last year and um do the homer pick uh god west virginia at missouri getting 14 points uh i think it's going to happen considering missouri gave up like 21 points to a wyoming team to open the college their college football season so i'm going to be the homer Give me the 14, WVU on the road. With my honorable mention being the number nine Texas Longhorns upsetting the number six LSU Tigers. I stand by my statement that I don't think three spaces apart is is a far enough gap for an upset. And this actually does lead to a caveat for later on in the season for everybody listening to us here. In order for a ranked versus ranked matchup to count in are you serious there has to be at least a 10 space gap in the rankings in the future but all all them gamblers for the love of god take texas in the points trust me (laughs) see i think lsu wins and covers Mm, uh, that line was originally six and a half now some places it's down to five and a half that's for a reason all right, all right, all right. Go ahead and say it, Jason. I, nah, I'm, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm just going to, I'm going to sit here and sing my um, nitty ditty dirt band, fishing in the dark in my head while I listen to the rest of this show. Brandon, college. You serious? My are you serious for college is Northern Colorado, not probably not beating Washington State, but certainly covering the spread, which at the moment is 36 and a half points. Uh, I will point out that Washington State just beat a D1, a, a FBS school by like 51 points last week. Northern Colorado is an FCS school and not a particularly good one. I... Hey, hey, Southern Utah UNLV, not to mention, I read some interesting stories about Mike Leach and his film preparation uh, sessions, especially with quarterbacks. You might be on to something. 
I'm going to make a bold prediction, and I'm going to make it even bolder. Not only is my prediction a cover here, my prediction is an outright victory. As Nevada goes to Oregon and beats the now number 16th ranked Oregon Ducks. Ooh. So you think the Ducks start falling even further? Damn. Oh, I don't know. I was talking about that in another group chat, and I'm like, I said even with the spread, I took over. I'd say, hey, take Oregon to cover with that one. I think Oregon's going to be shell shocked from their second half performance against Auburn, and I think Nevada's riding on the high of taking down Purdue last week. Yeah, but at the same time, I don't think lightning strikes twice. Do you really think that after? That emotional win, a 56-yarder at the gun by a backup kicker who just got put on scholarship. There's so much that could carry you. We've seen it happen plenty of times before, Eric. We've seen these these group of five schools step up and face these bigger conferences and knock them down one by one by one. And let's not forget that Nevada is not exactly a scrub group of five school here this has been a consistent bowl team in nevada this has been a consistent nevada team that has contended with a who's who of college football in boise state for the mountain west title over the course of the last couple of years fair fair Mm, i don't know another one of those with my gut (laughs) we'll see what ends up happening Saturday night, 7.30, Pac-12 Network. Eric, we go back to you for the National Football League. Okay, remember how I said that there are more fandoms who would hate me? And you can hate me now, but I won't stop now. Continue. state where I've been talking about their collegiate football team oh poor detroit oh wait no that that maybe detroit the lions no minnesota i'm rubbing salt in the wound (laughs) ah that was five point minimum it's four is it fair enough yeah because i'm because i'm seeing a lot of the spreads and i'm like with that one i've said it before and i'll say it again I don't like that. I'm going to admit I probably never will like that. But I do like the Falcons plus four. So y'all put you better put your skull chance away for this week. I'm just going to point out that Minnesota's last home game to start a season was a disaster when that Buffalo went to Minnesota and whooped their ass. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Is it four or four and a half, Eric? It's four, I'm four. seeing four by ESPN. Other books may have it four and a half. Okay. Jason? I'm going to continue this week with Homerism, and I'm taking the Giants plus seven versus Dallas. I think the off-field distractions of Zeke getting signed and trying to get him integrated in for the game is going to, hamper, is going to stifle and hamper that offense a little bit. And hell, nobody's giving New York a cold chance in hell anyway. So why not go ahead and go ahead and bet your money on the Giants? I, I look for Evan Ingram to have like 
a billion yards and seven touchdowns. Maybe just a shade under a billion. Just a bit. Maybe. Um, I, I, I don't know. He's 99, 999.5. That's a good he, one. He's playing, he's playing all four receiver positions as well as tight end and possibly fullback. Uh, so it's possible. Brandon, I am going with the Houston Texans minus seven. Maybe not beating the Saints, but certainly getting it closer than seven points. Strongly disagree. I think New Orleans is going to be out to send a message this in this game. Fair enough. If this were later in the season, I would say maybe. Yeah, agreed. For week one, mm-mm. <laughs> oh, I got a doozy for you guys. Oh, God. We talked about this game a little bit earlier in the show, actually. Uh-oh. Ben Roethlisberger, Juju Schuster-Smith, and James Conner ruined the banner hanging by going to Foxborough and not only covering five and a half, but beating New England. Damn. No, okay, I am going to say this right now to the city of Pittsburgh. I love you. You're awesome. Please, if any sort of weird, supernatural or celestial events happen and there's like a curse placed upon your city, do not blame Harry whatsoever. He does not know of the infernal trinity that resides in Foxborough. Please don't get mad at him. Don't send him. No, no. I got to look out for my boy on this one. I ain't scared of ish. You say that now, but then when you got a horseman (laughs) in the apocalypse knocking on your damn door, then what? (laughs) Uh, Obviously, I offer him a Snickers because he must be hungry. Do we not remember anything from television ads? (laughs) Okay, fair point. (laughs) <laughs> uh, all right, one more one more quick piece of business to handle, and then we can get into our plugs and stuff for the show here. Um, so as you guys know, Sean Garmer filled in for me last week in order to do the AFC and NFC preview editions of the kickoff, as well as the playoff predictions for these guys here. Therefore, I am a little out of the loop, so I'm going to go ahead and run down my predictions real quick for everybody. Are you guys ready? Yep. Until- ready. Feel free to give feel free to give me shit if you disagree. I'm encouraging it. Let me oh, at least finish the prediction. Considering <laughs> it was a certain arrangement that I'm finalizing with Jason, there's no possible way. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can get much worse than Jason. Just let me finish the picks I first. Hope you can suck you a get... dick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, in the AFC, I have New England winning the East. Bastards. I have Pittsburgh winning the North. I have Houston winning the South. And I have Kansas City winning the West. My wild cards are the Chargers and Cleveland. Okay. Okay. Anyone? Um. The only thing I didn't have, I think, was Cleveland 
if I remember correctly. Yeah. I, I, I think Cleveland Browns are going to Browns. Yeah. Uh, for, of any I think y'all tired of the draft, pussy. If anything, Harry, you're five out of six with me. Just instead of Cleveland swapping the Jets, I swapped in the Ravens. I believe. See, I don't. I don't think the Jets are going to finish above five hundred this year. Neither do I. I, I, I think I, just sneak I, with Adam Gase and with Sam Darnold. I think they're just sneaky enough. <laughs> I I'm saying eight and eight is their ceiling. I could see that as well. In the NFC, I have Philadelphia winning the North. Green Bay winning, or Philadelphia winning the East, excuse me. Green Bay winning the North. New Orleans winning the South. And the Rams winning the West. My wild card teams are Chicago and Atlanta. I was debating between New Orleans and Atlanta in the South. I begrudgingly kind of picked New Orleans, even though I expect Drew Brees to kind of fade down the stretch. My wild cards were completely different, though. I had the Niners and the Cowboys. I have the Cowboys winning the East. I do not trust Carson Wentz's uh, back, and I do not trust his backup either. Uh, I see what you did there. Well done. So, um, and I have, I believe I had, uh, Seattle as my second wildcard team as, as well as Atlanta. I had the best picks ever. Go back and listen to the show if you want to hear, hear them. Because I honestly. (laughs) His were all over the place in the NFC. I've got a mega parlay set up with him. I, uh, the terms. I won't go through the entirety of my playoff predictions because I'm still not guaranteed on seating or anything like that. But I will say what I will say one of the things that I do think will happen is I do think we have a return to the Super Bowl this year. I think New England goes back out of the AFC. I don't yeah. want them to, but I think it happens. Same. Eric and I both basically said that Bill Belichick will figure out some demonic way of getting them past the the Chiefs. The only thing for me is, is I don't think it would be Kansas City that they beat in the AFC East final or in the AFC championship game. I think as long as they can find a reasonable stopgap for losing Gordon, who I don't think is as important to that offense as everybody makes him out to be, I think the Chargers are still a threat to the AFC. Eric and I both had Kansas City. I think Jason had uh, San Diego, or not San Diego, L.A. At least one of us is going to do that every single week. Don't feel bad, Brandon. Oh, I know. I still consider them San Diego. My NFC Championship game is a rematch from last year, but this time the team that should have won last year does win. The Saints beat the Rams. I think Eric and I both had the Rams being the Saints. Is that correct, Eric? Yeah, we had a rematch, and uh, basically, it was just like I had the Rams. Although I think it's not going to be as close, but yeah, the Rams. I know I had the Rams winning. I don't know if I had them. Be- no, 
I take that back. I didn't have the Rams beating the Saints. I had the Rams beating the Cowboys in the NFC Championship. Right. You're right. I had the Rams beating the, uh, the Saints, I believe. And Drew Brees rides off into the sunset with a Super Bowl ring, taking down the New England Patriots. I have the Rams being the Patriots. Same. So we all agree that the winner of the Super Bowl is coming out of the NFC this year. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we just don't necessarily agree on who that winner is going to be. Yes. Yeah, we all know there's only so many pentagrams that you can draw in Miami. <laughs> Brandon, where can people find you online? Uh, on Twitter at Bisco underscore Gotham SN and on Facebook on all of our channels and everything. Jason, you said you and Eric had a plug here. Go ahead and go for it and then tell people where they can find you online. Well, um, it has been brought to my attention that um, me and Eric kind of got a, a, a job offer. <laughs> so starting with the kickoff of the XFL season, you can find me and Eric over on the Radledger Broadcasting Network where we will be debuting a show covering the XFL with a little bit of twist. It's going to be me and Eric talking football without Harry being able to kind of family show us. And there's going to be family show! (laughs) Three and a half. Gonna be a gracious amount of alcohol involved. Yes, and if I actually start, it's going to be the debut of the Black Irish podcast, where me and Eric get drunk and we discuss the XFL. Maybe we stay on topic. Maybe we don't. Probably they don't. Probably not. It's all up to you to tune in, and of course, I'm sure we'll be gracious. Be lucky enough to have our two gracious co-hosts here to join us on occasion. Because sometimes me and Eric might need to be reined in. Especially <laughs> since if I get another big boy job by the time it starts, I will be con- back to taking some good old-fashioned Pat McAfee vitamins. Hashtag for the brand. Well, you know I will be on to rein y'all in at some point. <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> Surprised you didn't chime in when Jason picked the Giants to beat Dallas. Oh, I was busy. Sorry. Is that what we're calling it these days? All right, get it, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you got to take the opportunity, man. (laughs) Where can people find you online, Jason? Uh, Usually it's... um... At TurkeyGlue822 on Twitter, uh, you can see me, catch me doing guest spots over on the Adelaide Broadcasting Network. Uh, my next appearance will be coming up this coming Tuesday when I'll be on a movie podcast to review It Chapter 2. And um, if you get bored and you want to talk fantasy football or bullshit, hit me up on Twitter. I'll probably not reply, but hey, it'll make me feel important. <laughs> Eric, where can people find you online? Um, I'm just going to say this. Depending on what you want to talk about, 
at Squid Sports Head on Twitter. If you want to talk, my <laughs> show. <laughs> Wait, so we're making that four and a half? Oh wow, hmm. gonna have well, to adjust the spread for next week. You knew this well, one was gonna happen. I mean, come on now. We'll we'll Whoa. call it four. That'll be like a half point as well. Okay, so we'll that, and if you want to discuss other topics and uh, little handy bits of conversation, and uh, if you want to get into a discussion of why I would recommend someone like Tessa Fowler or otherwise, message me on at Squid Sports Head, and I will direct you accordingly. After a thorough vetting process, of course. <laughs> I, I need like I need like a sound effect so that way we can officially chime it. And this has been Eric's pick of the week. <laughs> I'll work on that. I'll work on that. Uh, we're gonna have to work with getting some serious sound effects going for this show. HEB the Eagle on Twitter. Sometimes I use it, sometimes I don't. Honestly, it's very hit and miss. Uh, Harry Broadhurst over on Facebook. Send me a message. I'll respond. I'll talk wrestling, sports, whatever. Yeah, I'm always looking for people to talk to. Viewer discretion advised when it comes to visiting anything related to Eric or Jason. No, discretion is not advised because I'm going to tell you, hey, dive right in. (laughs) Okay, user discretion advised when it comes to talking to Jason or Eric, then. Fine, how's that? Now let me finish! All right, anyway, that's what she said. (laughs) I I think I was finished, too. That's unfortunate. Also, what she said. Anyway... (laughs) Yeah, no, in all seriousness. A lot of times they, I got to tell them, hey, you got to let me finish. But anyway, that's beside the point. <laughs> and I can think of no better note to close the show on. <laughs> Guess what? We're back, bitches. <laughs> For our executive producer, Sean Garber, who is unfortunately now overseeing this shit show, you poor bastard. <laughs> Jason Teasley, Brandon Biscoping, Eric Watkins. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. This has been the kickoff here on the W2M Network, online at w2mnet.com, and available on all of your favorite podcast listening devices, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Brandon, guess Spotify. what? Spotify is here. And Glacier's a dick! Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys next week. Also, on (laughs) lastwordonprofootball.com. Bye. Go us! Woohoo! Thanks for listening.